Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, November 4th. Is there a Democratic and Republican approach in 2022 to affordable health care, a bedrock pocketbook issue for so many Americans, although less on the political front burner this year for many candidates, I think? With us now, Julie Rovner, Chief Washington Correspondent for Kaiser Health News and host of their What the Health podcast. You may remember Julie used to cover health for NPR. Julie, thanks for coming on the show again. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me. Always great to be here. And before we get into the politics and competing approaches, how do you see the state of the insurance premium market and out-of-pocket co-pays and deductibles and other expenses compared to four years ago or eight years ago? Is healthcare inflation a burden like the gasoline and food inflation the candidates seem to be talking about much more for insured people as well as those who are uninsured? I think the best way to think about it is that it's going to be a burden, but it isn't yet. Um, healthcare premiums lag often by more than a year because they get finalized b- before things happen. Um, so the healthcare premiums that we're seeing now for next year are probably not as high as they will be next year for the year after. That said, the health inflation is still pretty healthy. Um, we've seen, uh, we, we now see that the average employer provided uh, premium for a family is over $22,000. For an individual, it's almost $8,000. Family premiums are up 20% over the last five years and 43% over the last 10. Um, Also up our average deductible. So people are paying more, but for the first time in recent memory, in fact, since I've been covering it, uh, the cost of health care for the moment is going up more slowly than people's co- than uh, people's wages. So yeah. they're wow. able to keep up with those increases. That's not been the case traditionally. Right. Because for these decades, when we have generally said we have low inflation, we have had high health care inflation, which is why it's been such a front burner issue in a whole bunch of election cycles in a row. And what's the rough percentage of uninsured Americans these days? Do you happen to know? I do happen to know. Uh, It's down. It's at a historic low, depending on what survey you look at. It's between eight and nine percent. When I started covering health care, it was much it was closer to 14 percent. So many more people have health insurance for a variety of reasons. One of the big reasons right now is that during the the entire uh, time of the pandemic, we've been under something the federal government calls a public health emergency. And so everybody who qualified for Medicaid has been left on the Medicaid program. When the public health emergency ends, probably early next year, states will have to basically reevaluate everybody. And we're expecting many people to no longer turn out hmm. to be eligible. But that's one of the reasons that the, uh, the number of people with insurance is up so high is that there are a lot of people on Medicaid. There's also a lot more people buying insurance through the Affordable Care Act because the Democrats uh, lower uh, increased subsidies, which resulted in lower premium and including helping some people who'd been sort of at the top of the income scale and hadn't been eligible for any subsidies but still couldn't afford the premiums. Um, now many of them can. So we're seeing historically high uh, enrollment in the Affordable Care Act plans, too. And so I'll take that in part as Obamacare worked. And Dems ran in the past on the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, 
than Medicaid expansion within Obamacare to cover more working-class income, let's say, families. Republicans, how quickly we forget, ran on repeal and replace as recently as 2016, and market solutions to universal coverage. Are either of these in play this year, or has Republican America now embraced Obamacare, and that's a dead issue? I wouldn't go that far, but Republicans certainly have moved on to other things. Um, I think they've decided they, they, for a long time, they had repeal and replace without sort of admitting that they had no replacement. And we saw rather uh, publicly in 2017 when Republicans could not agree on a replacement and ended up not doing anything and then got kind of hammered for it on the campaign trail in 2018. So we're, we see a few Republicans here and there, Carrie Lake in Arizona, uh, most notably, uh, who's the governor, who's running for governor, so not running for a federal office, mm -hmm. suggesting the repeal of Obamacare. But mostly we are not seeing it. They've moved on to talking about things like, you know, controlling Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. So bringing it up to the present, now that we've done a little historical context, some of the proudest accomplishment for Democrats, as they would describe it, in their Inflation Reduction Act have to do with health care. Can you say the top line items there? Yeah, that's absolutely true. For the first time in anyone's memory, uh, the Democrats managed to defeat the very powerful prescription drug industry and institute some the first minor curbs on prescription drug costs, those have not taken effect yet. I think that's part of the difficulty with Democrats telling this story is that that's something that's going to happen in the future. There's also going to be a $2,000 out-of-pocket cap for Medicare beneficiaries on how much they have to pay for prescription drugs. That is a big deal. It will affect several million people who now have to pay considerably more than that. And they're going to cap the price of insulin uh, at $35 a month for Medicare beneficiaries. They had wanted to cap it for everyone, but Republicans managed to get that taken out of the bill using a technicality. So Democrats have, you know, a pretty good story to tell on health care. Also, last year, they curbed uh, surprise bills. Um, that was a bipartisan issue. But again, we're not, these are things that have happened and people aren't so much worried about them. So there's not as much talk about them. Remind our listeners more about that insulin debate. I think it flew a little bit below the radar with other big things going on at the time. But correct me if I'm wrong, the Democrats wanted a price cap on insulin for people with diabetes, of course, for every American. They got it for Medicare, um, but they didn't get it because they didn't get it for everyone else on insulin because the price cap for them was subject to the filibuster and Republicans wouldn't go along in any numbers. Do I have that right? Yeah, you do. I mean, it has to do with the vagaries of the the budget reconciliation process. So it wasn't technically the filibuster to waive the budget act. They needed 60 votes and they only got 57. So the, the Republicans basically raised a point of order that in this budget bill, they were not allowed to extend this to non-Medicare um patients. And it would have taken it with 60 votes. They could have waived that and left it in. And they didn't get the 60 votes that they needed. So for you as not only a healthcare reporter, but a political reporter based in Washington for Kaiser Health News, why aren't the Democrats shaking the trees, you know, raising flags and knocking cowbells and everything else and saying, we got people on Medicare, a cap on their insulin, which was going up big time. 
because we had the power in Congress, when we didn't have enough votes to get it for everybody else, the Republicans blocked it. They want the pharmaceutical companies to be able to keep gouging you for insulin. There are so many Americans with diabetes or who know people, loved ones with diabetes, that that could have been a big issue, but apparently it isn't. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it's been it's been a very odd campaign year. Obviously, abortion has been an overriding issue sort of on the health care side. And I am seeing uh, candidates talk about drug prices and some of the things that they've done and some of the things that the Republicans would like to do. The first order of business for Republicans is to repeal that Inflation Reduction Act, which has those historic you know limits on drug prices for the first time. And yet that's not been a big issue either. I don't know. Actually, on our podcast, mm-hmm. we talked yesterday about why the Democrats have not made uh, Republican vows to to trim social, social Security and Medicare and Medicaid a bigger issue because traditionally in the midterms, seniors vote more than everybody else. Right. Well, let's go to that one uh, because I think that issue is in play on the campaign trail, at least in recent days, the security of Medicare. Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott, for people who don't know the background here, has proposed that Congress would have to reauthorize the program with a vote every five years. Presently, It's a permanent program, and it doesn't need to be reauthorized periodically. Uh, I guess they could take some extraordinary um, parliamentary steps to end Medicare, but what he is saying is don't make it extraordinary. Make Congress go back and reauthorize Medicare and Social Security every five years. President Biden has seized on that in recent campaign appearances by him, like here. They're coming after Social Security and Medicare in a big way. Folks here in Florida, you need to know this. I mean it sincerely. You need to know this. You need to know why. Because of your own senator, Senator Rick Scott. I have the brochure here he has. And the president continued in that campaign appearance in Florida with so many retirees. So every five years, the Congress has to vote to reauthorize Social Security. Reauthorize it or else it goes away. We'd have to vote to reauthorize Medicare, reauthorize veterans' benefits, and I go down the list. So Senator Scott was asked about the every five-year approach to vote on the continued existence of Medicare on Morning Edition just today with Steve Inskeep, and Scott said this. There's not one Republican that I know that has any interest in reducing any Medicare or Social Security benefits. We've got to figure out how to preserve those programs. The Democrat radical spending is putting those programs at risk. So decode both sides of that. President Biden, um, yes, is now raising this issue. But this week, this is the last week before the before Election Day, millions of people have already voted. Um, lots of people have voted early, including me. Um, so it, uh, you have to wonder why they waited so long to, to get to this, for one. Um, I did hear Rick Scott this morning. And of course, it's important to say that Rick Scott is not speaking technically for the entire Republican Party in the Senate. But there is a House... Um, a House Republican document, and it talks about repealing the Inflation Reduction Act, which, as I just pointed out, would immediately cut benefits for Medicare. Right. So not true what Rick Scott right. is saying, that there's not a single Republican. Huh. Part of it, you know, depends on how you define cutting benefits for Medicare. And this is an age-old debate. If you cut payments 
to providers, that tends to save money for beneficiaries because it lowers their premiums. Technically, it's a cut because you're, you know, not you're paying less for Medicare, but it's a cut that helps the patients. You know, if you cut benefits or if you raise the age of eligibility, which is something Republicans are also talking about, that would be fewer benefits for people. So we use this sort of generic cut Medicare when it would be more precise to say sort of give more benefits to beneficiaries or take benefits away from beneficiaries to not talk about the entire program, but to talk about its impact on patients. So what's Rick Scott actually getting at when he says, instead of letting Medicare continue permanently, which is its current status, may Congress have to reauthorize its existence every five years? Well, this is part of Rick Scott's, and and this goes back to very sort of traditional Republicans on health care. You know, the deficit is too large, and health care is a big piece of that. We spend too much federal and state, just pub- too much public money in general on uh, on health care, and we should spend less. And perhaps we should, if we reexamine these programs every five years, we could find ways to perhaps more privatize the program, which is already happening to a large extent, kind of on its own, um, helped by Republicans back in 2003. But, you know, they would that if they had to look at the program as a whole every five years, they might make different decisions rather than the way it works now, which is the, the programs continue as they are until and unless Congress changes them. And Congress does alter both Medicare, less so Social Security, but Medicare and Medicaid, really every year or two, they do something to the programs. Julie, to wrap this up, and you kind of touched on a piece of it before, But COVID has been such a big thing in everybody's lives these last few years. What has COVID changed, if anything, in affordable health care costs or health care economics policies? Not as much as I thought it would. I really thought at the beginning that it would help sort of people see how important health care is. I mean, in, in many ways, it's more important than gas prices. It's just not as immediate for many people. But when it is immediate, it is a big problem and a big issue. And I think it got so politicized that we that basically, you know, the two sides have retreated to their corners and we're back to sort of traditional Democratic, Republican, you know, Democrats who would like to have the, the government in general regulate more of health care and Republicans who would like to have private industry do more of health care. And we're sort of back to where we were in the late 1980s and early 1990s in some ways. Julie Robner, Chief Washington Correspondent for Kaiser Health News and host of their What the Health podcast, hitting that TH really hard there. You may remember Julie used to cover health for NPR before she did this. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday.